0: And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. An
1: Erios original. With anti-Asian hate crimes at record numbers, this season of The Margaret Cho... We're examining the historical crimes that laid the groundwork for this recent onslaught of violence. I talk with Asian comedians, authors, journalists, podcasters, as well as the organizations and people working to stop Asian hate. Hello, and welcome to the Margaret Cho Mortal Minority. Today we're talking about Visha Ratanapakti, the 84-year-old Thai man who was fatally attacked in San Francisco, and Yao Pan Ma, the 61-year-old man who was attacked in East Harlem. Then we're talking about the bizarre 2005 murders of a little Saigon fortune teller and her daughter, known as the fortune teller murders. Today my guest is my friend and wonderful stand-up comedian, Robin Tran. Her special, Don't Look At Me, is available to watch on Hulu. Robin, we've been plagued with, like, problems. So the last time we were going to record, my kitty um, broke her leg.
2: Oh, okay. No, I, w- I wanted to ask you if everything was yes, okay. Yes, she
1: just got her cast off, and she's much better. Oh, that's good. You know, she's deaf, so her balance is... So it's oh, really no. sad, but she's doing a lot better, and... um I mean, I'm just such a new cat lady. So I don't really know.
2: Right. When did you get your cat?
1: I've had them since uh, the beginning of February. Oh, okay. So I've had I've two cats and I have my my dog here. You know my dog. Oh, and so it's yeah. just been like this animal house. But um how are you how are you doing how are you feeling <laughs> right now with everything?
2: I'm feeling good with everything. How are you, how how are you doing? You good? You
1: know, it's so crazy because every day there's a new outrage in terms of violence against Asian Americans, right? It's like more than once a day, actually. Every yes, every hour, it seems like there's a new terrible situation. Yeah, it's so insane.
2: I remember, yeah, you know, like, um, I've been seeing people talk about it for like over like a year, mm-hmm. like, so, ever since the uh when trump said you know called it the china virus or whatever my friend my friend's boyfriend got like yelled at at the whole foods in la like you would think the most liberal place you uh-huh. know because he's asian and so he's, they're like he, you know they thought of course they think he's responsible for covid you know and so like i just i kept seeing um the the hate crime stats go up every day and no one was listening like you know asian people kept saying hey everyone you know this is happening and it it feel, it felt like no one took it seriously until you know the horrible shooting happened and then everyone was like oh my god can you guys believe this like yeah we've actually been trying to tell you for a year now
1: yeah that it's happening and that it's escalating that it's getting worse and worse and you know there is so much to kind of look at and that's why i wanted to do the podcast that was you know directed at these problems and also look at historical cases today we will take a little bit of departure but I also know that um it's a kind of thing of like I'm actually afraid like I'm scared to go out like I don't want to I don't want to deal with it like I just I'm like you know I can't yeah
2: no I I'm with you completely yeah
1: I don't I don't want to like be in it like I don't want to be of it I don't want to see it I don't want to have to like defend myself I don't want to have to like film anything like it's also very hard for me to get it takes a long time to get my camera out Am I
2: right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah yeah you're not prepared for whatever is about to happen because
1: it doesn't it never rec- my phone never recognizes my face so I always have to punch in the code and then yeah. I have to like look through my apps to find my camera and then I'm like right. which way is it facing <laughs> yeah
2: right <laughs> yeah that's very funny it's hard no I Yeah, I'm actually, I actually didn't even want to, like, leave the house until, like, October, just, like, in my brain, because I'm thinking, like, the hate crimes are going up, and just, like, violence overall is going up, because people have been cooped up, and there's all this rage, Mm -hmm. you know, and and being transgender and everything, and it's just, like, I kind of just want to, like, not kind of stay indoors, like, I'm trying to build, like, a a safe space inside of my apartment so that I don't have to leave unless like I have to leave mm-hmm. because it really doesn't feel safe. I, I remember just even like walking, like when COVID was first beginning and people would give me looks and that's, that's never happened before, you know, mm-hmm. at, at the supermarket or whatever. So yeah, I, I just it doesn't feel safe out there right now.
1: No. And it's certainly, you know, on top of the virus and on top of all of the chaos, it's just, it's too much like it's too much to deal with right and I I don't I mean it's like of course I miss doing comedy have you done comedy have you you've done like zoom shows and stuff
2: I actually have. I started just making my own videos on TikTok and uh-huh. everything. I started. I learned how to make memes. Oh
1: yeah. You know, like a
2: little like. I learned how to make memes like a month before COVID started, just because I just wanted to like learn a new style of comedy.
1: Uh-huh. And
2: I, lo- I actually enjoy it as much as doing stand up. Oh good. And so and so I just kind of like figured out how to, be funny in non stand up ways right. And then the pandemic happened. And I was like, oh, my God, thank God I've been, like, teaching myself these skills. And so I – some of my videos went viral on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So now, I if I want to do comedy, I'll just do, like, a TikTok live. I have, like, 100,000 followers. And I'll talk to them, or, I'll, or I'll make, like, yeah, I'll make, like, short 15-second videos. And I learned how to video edit. And so I've learned how to just do comedy without stand-up. Yes. So I'm not – I don't have that urge, I think, that people have because I kind of – I didn't think that we were going to be done with COVID until like 2022. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think that there were, the vaccines were going to, so I was actually just preparing my life like without stand up ever coming back. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but I guess I'm not in any rush. Like most people are.
1: Yeah. I mean, I did comedy. I did a drive-in show the first time a couple of weeks ago, which was great. And it felt really good to actually like be out there and remember. Cause I was like, also like, am I going to remember how to do it? You know, that.
2: Right. Episode, <laughs>
1: right. It's like, <laughs> what, are we, what is it like? And actually, one of the last times I did comedy was with you.
2: Right. I was. Yeah, that's that. Is, I learned so much that weekend. It was one you of the most fun. Time. That was so fun, yeah. That was the one when I misread your text and thought I was doing one 10-minute set and then found out the day before I was doing four half-hour sets. I was like, I don't don't think I'm ready. I had to get ready really quick. Yeah, that was really fun. I was was just talking about that with somebody.
1: And it was just like, you know, we didn't know. We didn't have any idea. Like, everything society was going to change, that it was going to be the last time. It was January.
2: Yeah, January eleventh, I think it was.
1: It's so weird to think about. Like it was twenty twenty, but it was a totally different world.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally different. You know, not only have I am I afraid of like that I forget how to do comedy, I hung out one time with one friend during the whole year and it was like a socially distanced picnic outside of the apartment complex. Mm-hmm. I forgot how to talk to I forgot how to talk to a person. Mm-hmm. Like I just kind of felt like I was bombing just talking to another friend you know it took like five minutes for us to get comfortable talking to each other and we were both yeah. like I haven't talked to another human being in like months you know yeah so I wonder how it's going to be I, I have my first show back two weeks after my vaccination and I you know it's like for like a a big kind of a big show and I'm like that's going to be my first setback
1: oh okay. uh, god
2: I'm like really nervous about it but you know it should be it should be good
1: It's gonna be great. I mean, it's like, I, I mean, once you're doing it, then you remember, and it's, it it sort of like lives in your body, like that comic personality, the persona, like exists within our, um, like, bodily structures, but we just, we can't necessarily recall it unless we're physically in front of an audience.
2: Yeah. So when you do a drive-through, like do people like honk when they're when you're doing well, yeah. or can you hear the and laughter?
1: I, you can hear them laughing, but mostly like they have. Uh, well, the show that I did was at the um, Magic Castle, and they had. Oh, cool. Um, uh, yeah, it was interesting because they had uh, given them like noisemakers, and crushes crusher like this New Year's Eve like noisemakers. Oh, cool. And so that people could sort of react uh, with their windows down and like sort of making noise. So that was helpful.
2: That's really cool. It's
1: hard to hear people laughing inside their car.
2: No. Yeah. I was wondering like, yeah, I don't do people like turn on their headlights and ha- yeah, I was always wondering
1: that. There's a bit of that too. So it's yeah. very, um, it's definitely very different, but it, it, it's certainly something that's necessary and certainly something that I was glad for, you know, there'll be more of it, but it's definitely like, it just helped to do it. And it just helped to remember that we're like comedians and we're we're really like we're here to do that like that's our job yeah so it's really good and um so I wanted to start today and talk about this sort of first the modern subjects two different modern subjects of the hate crimes against Asian Americans like these these are the ones that are like the most this is this one that's not as uh this one happened a little bit earlier on but it was the murder of Visha Ratanapakti, who was in San Francisco. And this one was actually the first one that I remember being completely like, oh, now this is like really terrible. And this was um, from the New York Times. Weary of being cooped inside during the pandemic, Visha Ratanapakti was impatient for his regular morning walk. He washed his face, put on a baseball cap and a face mask, and told his wife he would have the coffee she had prepared for him when he returned. Then on a brisk and misty Northern California winter morning last month, he stepped outside. An hour later, Mr. Visha, an 84 year old retired auditor from Thailand was violently slammed to the ground by a man who charged at him at full speed. So you saw, did you see the video of this? This was a video that was like kind of, um, it was crazy because it was like, just somebody running at this man.
2: Oh my god.
1: And so he was just like slammed down um, to the ground. And so Mr. Visha, who stood five feet six inches and weighed 113 pounds, the attack was fatal. He <sighs> died of a brain hemorrhage in San San School Hospital two days later. Oh my god. And it was captured on a neighbor's security camera. And the video was really, that was, was everywhere. Wow. The, uh, assailant was Antoine Watson a 19 year old resident of neighboring Daly City was arrested two days after the attack and charged with murder and elder abuse he pleaded not guilty but his lawyer admits that his clients had an outburst of rage which is so (laughs) so strange
2: what kind of defense is that
1: I I don't know. But um, so for months, Mr. Visha had been pining to return to Thailand, but was unable to because of the pandemic. He disliked chili and wet San Francisco, and uh, he missed his favorite Southern Thai dishes. It's really sad. Like, it's like how horrible. It's if you're like 84. Yeah, and you you just want to go out for your walk. Right? I don't
2: understand how that's like a defense. Like, uh, it's so dehumanizing the way they talk about Asian people. Like, it's like, are we not even? Oh, it was he was mad. remember he had a bad day. The guy that attacked him had a bad, you know, yeah. like oh he it's had a sudden rage. And so how does
1: it's a similar thing of like, well, they had a bad day. He had a bad day. He was having a bad time. Right. I remember this this particular attack was the one that really started to get a lot of attention where there was starting to have people like Asians in Oakland were volunteering to walk elder people where they needed to go, you know, and sort of be um, like walking around and, and sort of did neighborhood watch for older Asians, which I thought was really great.
2: That's and really nice.
1: I thought that was really cool. But that's when I sort of started to see a lot more of um, pickup around social media around Asian elder abuse and hate crimes happening against Asians. So the one that just happened a couple of days ago, which was on the uh, 26th was Yao Pan Ma, who's a 61 year old man, um, Chinese man. He had emigrated here about two years ago from China and he was in Harlem and he was picking up cans and bottles to just, you know, make some money Because he had been um, in the restaurant industry, and because of the pandemic, he'd been laid off, and so they were just trying to like make ends meet and collecting bottles and cans. And he was stomped by a man, and and there's a video of that too. Oh my god! So horrible. And so he's actually in the hospital now, pretty much clinging to life.
2: Oh my god, that's
1: so horrible. It's so. It's just like somebody who's just trying to, like, get bottles and cans.
2: Yeah, yeah. And they're defenseless. Like, they, what are they supposed to do in response? I don't know. It's so,
1: it's so terrible. So, um, they did arrest somebody. Uh, There was a video that really went viral. Um, They arrested 49-year-old Jared Powell. People from the community found him for the video that went viral. And he was arrested and the charges against him were upgraded to attempted murder and assault as a hate crime. Uh, Yao Pan Ma is still in a coma. And, um, you know, the the community is really coming together. So the Assemblyman Ron Kim said, as New Yorkers, we shouldn't tolerate it. We come here to stay, stop targeting, scapegoating and killing Asian Americans, which it's like you know this is beyond the kind of fear about the pandemic this is like now yeah. going into another arena of like what does this even mean like why is this happening
2: yeah but has it been skyrocketing since the pandemic or is it like
1: yes it's been think yeah. i feel like it's always happened but because yeah. of the pandemic, there have been more instances closer together, and also because of social media, that we are and technology, we're allowed to see video of it.
2: Right, right, yeah.
1: You know, I feel like this kind of stuff has been happening. I mean, it has been happening ever since Asians have been here, which pretty much is since the Gold Rush in
2: eighteen forty nine. Right. Yeah. There, there's always been this otherness with, um, with the way Asian people are treated. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I always think about like the the old um, like I, whenever I'd watch like a Vietnam War movie you know that was made by like an American mm-hmm. and then they would just like show a bunch of like dead Vietnamese people like and then they would just show like Tom Cruise being sad and you're oh, you're, oh poor poor Tom Cruise is he <laughs> is he okay yeah like they they just totally disregard the bodies of like you, you know like the way they treat like bodies of Asian people it's like you know we're like a plot point to like elucidate, you know, a point, you know, where white people are sad about what they've done. Right. I learned in college that the wh- the way white supremacy works is um, they look at Asian people as more moral, yet less American, mm-hmm. and black people as uh, less moral, but more American. And then they pit blacks and Asians against each other while white people yeah. stay on top. It's a model minority thing. And that kind of blew my mind. It's like, I think be- no matter what, you know, like what we do in America, we're always going to be seen as like Asian different, Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's like easier to just kind of hurt somebody that just you don't feel like belongs or looks different than you or, you know, they're not a real person, I think.
1: Right. It's the it's the dehumanization that sort of gets illuminated by the weight savior myth. That's kind of in all like movies and TV about people of color that include people of color. It's always white people saving them, whether that's Tom Cruise or whoever it is. You know, it's like white people swooping in and saving the day because they have to see themselves as solving, <laughs> right. even though they caused right, it. Right,
2: right. Yeah, right, right. I remember I was we watched like Platoon in high school and there was that scene when um, William Defoe gets shot and there's that big dramatic thing in the helicopter. I'm like, I'm way more disturbed by what happened in that village. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, why are we focusing on these like one or two white people? Like it's the whole thing is about them, and I, I always bothered me
1: because the underlying premise of the message is that white lives matter and others don't. Right. And really, we need to correct that and change that, and I think that society's on its way to doing yeah. that. But uh, so we have a long way to go. Yeah. So we're gonna take a short break. And after the break, I'm going to talk to you about the fortune teller murders.
2: Oh, okay.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds
2: salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me
3: get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary
1: okay we're back so i do go to little saigon do you have a favorite place in little saigon or do you go i love little I, saigon
2: by the way <laughs> I, I i i lived in little saigon for like most of my life you know i moved to la like last year like yeah. i guess like i i used to like going to the the asian mall the fuklukta like i used to like yeah. that a lot yeah you know what i miss i miss like the the little uh gali, like uh the sandwich mm. shops and everything i just yeah. miss pho and I, I didn't really explore Little Saigon a lot. I just really liked the Vietnamese cuisine. I think that's what I missed the most. So
1: in good. LA. I love Vietnamese food and Little Saigon has the best, all of the different kinds of Vietnamese food you can get. Do you have a favorite number pho? There's like a pho, I think it's 79. 50, 54. Oh, 54. 54. that is that in the mall? Uh,
2: I don't know. There were, I forgot where it was. I think there were several pho 54s. I never asked anyone what that meant? You know, I I don't know what 54 means. If It has any significance. Well,
1: I know that they all had different numbers. Like, there was one in Chinatown in LA that was in a mall, and it was a faux 79, but there was another faux 79 that was in the mall in Little Saigon. Oh, wow. That I don't think was connected, but I didn't have an understanding of the numerical value of the (laughs) But the, the faux 79 in the mall in Little Saigon had the largest pho you, I've ever seen. Like, it was like, <laughs> do you want small, medium, large, or bathtub? This was like <laughs> a bathtub pho- What kind of pho do you like? Which
2: one? I, I like pho chicken.
1: Oh, pho, uh, pho Thai.
2: Uh, it's a pho, pho, yeah. It's like, yeah, pho with chicken, like uh, white meat chicken.
1: I like the um, pho with the brisket that's rare
2: yeah yeah i think most people like i think most people like that i think i'm weird like i think pho pho yeah it's like it's there are specific places that specialize in it but there's not very many
1: yeah i have to have the um trinity which to me is the pho and the spring rolls oh yeah and no no yeah the spring rolls and then also oh no the summer rolls it's the summer rolls that are like in the rice paper and then the um, Vietnamese iced coffee. Yeah, this,
2: yes, I was gonna say, yeah, this uh, uh, cafe soda. Yeah, I I really miss the Vietnamese coffee too. The strongest coffee in the world. Stay away for it's days. So, it's so good it's too. So
1: good. Yeah. It's like a dessert and it's like the condensed milk with the boba. It's kind of like um, a protein shake in a way. There's it so is. much in it. And um, so I have to have all three tasters, not really. Complete. Yeah. What do you put in your pho?
2: I put in a lot of hoisin sauce, a little bit of a hot sauce, and and um some lime or is it, I think it's lime. I don't yeah. put in I don't put in any of the um the bean sprouts. Oh, the bean sprouts. Yeah. I you know I didn't start using hot sauce until recently. I think as I'm getting older, I I can only enjoy food or it's something with I'm feeling like a little bit of pain. I don't know why. Oh yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Even getting older, but it's like yeah, I need a little bit of spice in it.
1: I need a lot of spice. Like I'll ask for extra jalapenos and I'll put them all in. Oh my god! With a couple of limes and all of the basil. Oh. I don't do the bean sprouts. I'm
2: getting really hungry. I kind of want to order I know. (laughs) I
1: know, but it's so good. It's hard to order it though. Like you have to go get it. Like to me, it's very, because of the way that, um, but it's like certain kinds of Korean food and Vietnamese food. I have to eat it at the place. I can't get it like delivered or because there's something about the um temperature it's got to be really hot
2: oh god i really want to go now um i know it's so (laughs) bad. you know you know i think i have a weird like this doesn't make any sense but um when uh the pho has a big number the bigger the number is the worse i think it's going to be like anything like like pho 2000 i'm like oh don't try to don't try to be all modern. It's not, you need, I need some old, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I but, don't know 2000 <laughs> is like modern. I, oh my God, it's 2021. I, f- I totally forgot, but more modern than, you know, 554.
1: <laughs> more modern. Mo- yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure about the numbers, but <laughs> I don't know. I think it's really an amazing thing. So anyway, this story. Okay. Getting a, a off, off subject because we've got a, onto FUP. Yeah. But this story happens in Little Saigon. I watched a, a, a TV show called Wicked Attraction, mm-hmm. which uh, had a lot of footage of the mall and all the pho places and the little, like, you know, the little Saigon. And then they ha- also had the Balut place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had a real quick shot of the Balut place, but that doesn't have any <laughs> anything to do with it. But it was, um, you know, all of these, sh- and that really made me hungry for pho. So this happened um, in Little Saigon. And uh, so, there was a guy named uh, Young Tran. Mm-hmm. He was a young man in um, in Little Saigon and he had had a little bit of a fight with his girlfriend, Anita Vo. And so he um, brought over coffee and some pastries to her house where she lived with her mom, Jade Smith, hot Jade Smith. And um, they, uh, they lived there together and so he brought over coffee and pastries and just put them outside the house because he was like you know maybe she'll like this and so he went back a little later in the day and the coffee and the pastries were outside untouched and also one of the mom's bracelets was kind of hanging on the fence of the house so he's like that's really weird so he didn't really know what to think about it this is April 21st 2005 by the way so it was weird so he called the police to do a welfare check so the yeah. police went over to the house and they looked in the window and they saw that it was like this weird red light and all of these um altar stuff like you know because uh Hajade Smith was a very well known fortune teller cuz she had like all of these altar things set up asian stuff yeah and they they saw what looked like mannequins that were sp- splattered with white paint yeah and they were like that's really weird we don't know what what that means and so they went in the house and they looked and they found ha jade smith 52 and anita vo 23 dead (gasps) and they were stabbed and covered in white paint looked like a very violent scene oh man but the bodies were also kind of posed like uh ha Jade Smith looked like she was bowing to the uh, altar of this sort of fortune teller thing. And, they, you know, of course, these like policemen didn't really understand what this was. They were like, is this some sort of a ritual murder? What is what does this mean? Like, right. what does this mean? And, you know, all of this mystery around her being a fortune teller. She was a very successful fortune. teller. Have you been to a fortune teller?
2: Uh, no, I have not.
1: My family went to a fortune teller. My dad went to a fortune teller in Korea when I was probably about 16 and I just started doing stand up comedy and he was very concerned about it. So he we went to go see the fortune teller that is on um, by the Tokpoki Street, which is the Korean rice cake street that mm-hmm. is like very, very popular in Seoul. And there's a fortune teller street there. So he we went there and the fortune teller told him that I would be an international star
2: in two years. Oh my gosh. And
1: he was like, okay, then it's fine. That Since
2: <laughs> then, he's been
1: totally fine with my career choices and the fortune teller was right.
2: Yeah, yeah, wow. So
1: he totally bought it and believes in fortune telling. I guess in the Vietnamese community in Little Saigon, this woman, uh, Ha Jade Smith, was very, very successful. She would do like, um, I think she would do a lot of, helping people figure out their business
2: right
1: and where it should be located kind of things like it sounds like feng shui in a yeah. lot of ways yeah and like rituals to improve like your business and you know to me it's not that mystical it's not like she's a witch or anything right <laughs> like right, no, much-
2: yeah is it like it's kind of like a spiritual life coach kind of thing yeah yeah.
1: And I think practical, like there was a lot of practical purposes. Like I feel like fortune teller is used in at least in Korean culture as a kind of like a practical art form. Yeah. And it's almost like interior decorate. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Like somebody's gonna come over and say, Okay, put this over here, put this over here, put a ticking clock here, put some fish over here.
2: Yeah. That's that's really cool. I
1: mean that's how they did my my house. Yeah, yeah my house is fully feng shuied, but my house was feng shuied. It, we're a little out of date because my house was feng shui in like 2004 yeah so you're supposed to have it like redone right Especially if there's a lot of movement in the house there's different things but you have it feng shui for you and your whoever's living the house your significant others your pets
2: all i know about it, it's like like mirror placements and stuff right with feng shui
1: that's part of it
3: yeah
1: Um, that's one of the things and also it's like where you place your bedroom like where's the most restful place in your house like where it's good to put different objects of like stone or where it's good to put like dripping water or motion or you know there's different kinds of things and there's different kinds of feng shui too oh okay it's so complicated that I was like, I don't even know what to do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, but, but people can help me with that stuff. So that's good. That's a good service.
1: So I had a, 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 a feng shui uh, a practitioner come over and she did everything. And um, we had a little bit of a disagreement about the bedroom of where it should be. And I realized much later that she was really right about it. And so that's remained my bedroom.
2: Oh, wow. It's like an energy thing.
1: It's an energy thing. And it's also like where your house is facing compared to like the element that you're born in. Like all of these different aspects of your being are taken into account. So this is one of the things that uh, Hodgid Smith was known for. And she was very, very successful. Anita Bo, her daughter, wasn't a practitioner. Anita Bo was in um, law school. So she was going into a different direction, but they were very uh, well off and very well respected in the community. And um, how Jade Smith was, I always think it's so weird that her name was Jade Smith, but she's actually married, (laughs) but divorced.
2: Oh, okay. Um, She
1: married a man named Smith, but she didn't, uh, she kept the name. Gotcha. So prior to the murder, she had, had endured a home invasion robbery. Yeah. So... The police were wondering maybe this has something to do with it and uh the the suspects for that particular house invasion were both incarcerated at that time so it couldn't have been them they said that a lot of the people in that community didn't believe in banks so they kept their wealth in their home right
2: oh um, which
1: made them Target. targets for home invasion gotcha.
2: robberies. oh wow oh that's oh that's horrible
1: my family would always keep valuable jewelry in socks in a Folgers can. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So they were like in the sort of like silk envelopes. Yeah. And they're like the silk padded envelopes that like Asian jewelry comes in with like a zipper. Yeah. And then they would put them in there, but then they would put them in like dirty old socks.
2: Oh, wow. And
1: then put them in the bottom of a coffee... Cold,
2: coffee oh, so it's kind of like with the uh, butter cookies for sewing, uh, you know, like there's yes. <laughs> you open up the butter cookies and you, you get sewing things instead. Yeah. I remember yeah. when I was a kid, I remember my parents gave me like $21 bills and I was at the, at the store and I kind of took it out of my pocket and I was counting it. And my mom said, don't ever count your money in public. There's some adult looking at you. Mm. And so she kind of scared me into like, never, ever show anyone that you have money you like right so like yeah she was very um she made me very aware of being a target when I was like seven or eight years old
1: yeah it's really important I think but there's also a very weird truth in like not trusting banks and in like my family there was generally that although um we did have a banking system throughout Korean culture there's a banking system in um like immigrants where they would it was called the kit and it was koreans would pull their money and you would have um one family keep it every month and it would change hands every month and you would keep adding to it and people could borrow off it with interest in order to pay for housing or education or surgery or whatever there was like a way to do it but in san francisco in the 70s one korean family stole the cat wow and it was a huge scandal because it was like nobody had ever done that right, like right. nobody ever do- had ever ever stolen the cat so it yeah. was like unheard of cuz nobody would ever do that but then the family disappeared for 40 years oh my so god. we didn't see them and then my brother said oh my god the son from that family just facebook requested me. <gasps> oh my
2: god oh my god <laughs> wow
1: and it was just, what the? So, uh, but it was really shocking because these banking systems were really for immigrants to use, and you're never going to cross your countryman like that. At least, yeah. you know, for Korean immigrants in the 70s, it was just unheard
2: wow. of. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is like kind of related, but yeah, my parents always kind of like had a distrust of like banks and stuff like that. But there was always, mm-hmm. like it, it extended to other things. Like I'm always, I always think that I'm going to go to jail if I fill out a form that's wrong. You know, just like a, any kind of form. I don't know if oh. you know what I'm talking about, but like if, yeah. I, if I fill out my taxes wrong, I'm going to go to jail. Even like when I was mm-hmm. in elementary school, like if I fill out a, a permission slip on a field trip wrong, will I go to jail? Yeah. And I, and I kind of thought about it a couple of weeks ago, like I kind of almost feel like I, um, I'm supposed to be under the radar. I think that kind of, my parents were always like, you know, don't get a credit card. Don't do this and that. And so like, if they find out that I'm using this stuff, they'll re- they'll try to kick me out of the country. And all the fears don't really make sense, but it, it comes from a, uh, from wherever my parents had a distrust of like government or, you know, probably cause they came from Vietnam maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I, am always constantly, um, paranoid about going to jail. Or because of the distrust. I know. Of, I yeah. know too. yeah.
1: I know. There's a distrust of institutions in the way that, like, I'm afraid to cut the tag off of like
2: <laughs> dick pillows and stuff. Right. So I, know make, yeah, I know what I'm talking. Yeah, they're
1: gonna cut. you What about you know? I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna cut the tag off of my couch. Like I I did a big one and I cut the tag off of my couch and I was like really scared.
2: <laughs> I haven't even. It's so yeah, weird. I know. I haven't even like. The, when I get a new debit card, you're supposed to peel the sticker off. I just leave. I don't know why I leave it. Like I leave it on. I don't know. Like there's something yeah. in my brain that thinks I. I don't belong here. And once they find out I'm here, I'm screwed.
1: Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing, but I I get it, and and so I understand like how Jade Smith's like, thing of like I'm not gonna, put my money in the bank, right. and I'm not gonna do this. But that made her a target. It did. Yeah. So she ended up getting a lot a lot of um there was one really particularly violent like home invasion where she got tied up and you know they stole a lot of her like money and jewelry and just like this heinous thing Uh. but she was able to build it back up and but the police assumed well this is probably what it was yeah what happened wow they couldn't figure out anything they couldn't find any fingerprints but they did find one of the household knives, the knives that had been in the kitchen from the house from like a butcher block. They found one of them in, and it had blood on it and fingerprints. So the blood of the victims and fingerprints, but they didn't have the prints in their system. So they didn't know who it was. And they found one small bloody footprint. Oh my God. The uh, bathroom. So it was clear that somebody had taken a shower after murdering
2: oh my god these
1: people and then uh it was a small footprint so not probably not likely a man
2: wow
1: but they weren't sure yeah so and the blood was of the victim so they they really couldn't figure it out so they just kept trying to see was it young tran maybe it was anita bozak's boyfriend like maybe he did it or maybe this is some kind of satanic murder wow you know like because of the just look ritualistic and there was all of this like um kind of like asian spiritual stuff that they didn't know but that was all actually just jade House.
2: oh yeah i know i you know i mean the the murders are 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 so horrible but like i always found it really menacing when like they stuck around with the bodies after they were dead you know what i mean like to like take a shower Mm -hmm. that to me is like a level of insanity i don't even understand you know,
1: right. It's like, creepy and crazy yeah. and weird. And it's like, what does this even mean?
2: That level of premeditation, I think, is what it's so it's not a person that just decided to do it and left, you know, like they stuck around and showered and then posed the bodies and everything. That's so horrible.
1: It's so horrible and weird. And um, so the authorities deduced that it was probably more than one person. The neighborhood um, was like kind of like they asked questions of people and the neighbor said that there was a man and a woman that were using the garage door and they kept coming in and out on the day in, in the, of the murder. Oh, wow. So they had that and they, they did a composite drawing of the man and the woman, but it was kind of not, you know, didn't really seem to like be anybody that anybody knew or could be like a suspect They right. couldn't really find anybody. It wasn't that descriptive. So they just kind of like waited. Um, we didn't really know what to do. So sometime later, they noticed that uh, the credit cards from the um, murder were, like, being used. And (laughs) it was, like, really, it was a really strange thing. They were, like, what does that mean? And there was, like, just, like, small amounts at first. And it was was happening in, like, North Carolina. Yeah. And they're, like, well, what does that mean? There was, like, these, like, really small amounts. And so they just were like, "That's so weird." And then they um, picked up some surveillance video of uh, the people using somebody using the account, and it was an old Asian woman. What? And they're like, "What? That, that's that's weird." It is, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> it doesn't look like they're like, hmm, did somebody steal the credit cards? And because what they found in the house is they they found that um, Jade Hot ha had hidden huge amounts of cash in the the dust bag of her vacuum cleaner oh my god but the the money was like in big old like fat rolls and so they didn't find it right $60,000 oh my god and um in the coffee maker so the same coffee thing not not a coffee can but in the coffee maker where the grounds are yeah they found half a million dollars worth of jewelry oh
2: wow oh (laughs) it was all
1: like hidden pretty well yeah but the, the house was like um there, the, like the credit cards were taken. Um, that was really the only thing of value yeah. that they could follow the trail. Wow. So, so so later they they kept tracking the credit cards and um, finally the credit cards purchased four plane tickets from Atlanta to L.A. Yeah. And it was under a woman named Tanya Nelson. Four plane tickets had been purchased under her name so they she came into los angeles and they just surveilled her and like they were like she's she's still like what does she have to do with this it's so like right. this is so weird so she's all she also seems um she's also vietnamese oh, okay. her name is tanya nelson she has a white name as well okay okay thanks for clarifying and, that
2: i was like i thought it was a white person <laughs> <laughs>
1: So she, uh, she looks just like me, which is so funny.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> her, her name is Tanya Nelson. She's 45 and she's from Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. They apprehended her at a South Coast mall. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which I think is your neck of the woods, right? It was in
2: Orange County, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, she had bought some huge, like, purchased at Versace, some like really ugly person oh, wow. which I actually like for too, but it was like really ugly. Yeah. That's what the police said. Ugly. The police
2: said that in their report that it was really ugly. Yeah, the police
1: <laughs> said like a really <laughs> ugly person. and she when she was arrested she was totally cold and stone-faced and had no reaction. What? To anything. Oh my god. And she would not tell them anything and they really could not get anything out of her. So they kept on trying to like figure it out, figure it out and slowly it started to kind of come together that tanya nelson had committed the murder
2: oh my god and
1: it was all <laughs> it's so crazy so tanya nelson like a real psychopath okay so she had um been a client of ha jade smith and she had wanted ha jade smith's advice for everything she sort of lived and died by whatever ha jade smith told her so, Hajay Smith was trying to help Tanya Nelson out. She was having an affair with her husband's younger brother. Okay. His name was Lloyd. Mm-hmm. And she was in love with him. She just wanted that dick. She wanted <laughs> she wanted her husband's younger brother so bad. He was right. also a Vietnamese. And just was, like, super into him and um, just, like, couldn't get enough and uh, was following him. Um, Lloyd tried to get away from her, tried to get married, and she went to his house and like tried to beg him to get back with her and was trying to make hajade smith like cast a spell please cast a love spell on oh, him and no. hajade smith wouldn't do it she's like you know what? it's not gonna work out yeah i don't think this is gonna work out i think you should stop stop trying wow. to a relationship with him tanya melson which wouldn't give up she just <sighs> wanted to be with this guy so bad and um, it just didn't work. It just didn't work no matter what you did. And so uh, Tanya Nelson befriended a guy named Philippe Zamora, 55, who was a troubled man. He was a gay man, but he was living as a straight man. So he had kids and he was closeted. Gotcha. And Tanya Nelson was like hooking him up with gay guys.
2: Oh, okay. So
1: she was his like dick hotline. Okay. <laughs> helping him get that dick. Which I mean, you can get dick on your
2: own. I I was gonna say Wingman, but I think Dick Hotline is. (laughs) (laughs) She
1: she was like, you know, you gotta help me get this guy. So she's like taking him to Loy's house and pistol whipping him to try to get with her. Like, oh my god, you want a guy to like you? Don't. I know closeted gay friend pistol whip i know
2: i know people have people are such like control freaks like whatever they want yeah they need it doesn't matter what the other person wants or needs at all
1: it doesn't matter it's it doesn't matter at all and so tanya nelson convinces philip zamora that okay well we've just got to get rid of hajade smith and we'll take all of her money because she's super rich and this is all her fault somehow. So we're going to make sure that, you know, we're going to take, take revenge. I don't know how, what kind of oh my plan God. this is, but this is like, you know, I'll get you some dick if you help me kill this woman.
2: Oh my God.
1: So Tanya Nelson actually makes a, an appointment to see how uh, Smith as like a reading or something, or just sort of a social engagement. Like it's like you know, they're still on good terms. Right, right. Like I know you told me not to get with this guy, but hey, you know, let's just hang out. So she brings Philippe Zamora over there and they have um, tea and uh, Tanya Nelson's like, hey, why don't you call your daughter? I'd love to see her. So Hajay Smith calls her daughter and is like, hey, you know, um, Tanya's here. She wants to say hi. We w- we should have some lunch and just come over. Bo comes over and then... Uh, Philippe and Tanya just kill him.
2: Oh, my God.
1: And the paint thing is weird. Like, they just, I think they were trying to cover up their tracks somehow. Yeah. So they just, like, threw the paint over the bodies. It's all very unclear. And they really tried to rip the house apart to try to get the money that Tanya wanted. That was the whole point of the murder. But they couldn't find it because it was in it was so the well vacuum
2: cleaner bag. It was in a vacuum cleaner. That's like the most well-hidden jewelry I've ever heard in my life. Oh, my God. Yeah. But then they used the credit cards, right? So, like, they weren't that savvy, yeah. right? Okay.
1: No, they weren't that savvy because it's like they used the credit cards. They used, um, like, little amounts and then more and more and more. And pretty much, uh, Tanya Nelson was then um, convicted of murder yeah and uh was sentenced to death oh wow to me it's like you never think of like older asian ladies as being bad
2: right 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 (laughs) no i know what you're talking about this is another another dehumanization thing you know i had a friend who like she she downloaded something like illegal on her laptop at work and, you know, like a song or something and you're not allowed to take your laptops home. But she like took it home and everyone just let her like, oh, she's Asian. I'm sure that she's not going to do anything like, you know, when there's like this expectation of like nothing, you know, like it's like this. Oh, she's like not even a person like she, she's fine.
1: Yeah. Nothing negative can possibly come from Asian women. Yes. Because we're just,
2: I don't know. I, I've had, I've had like, like the I've,
1: dehumanization.
2: You're, I've had like I've gone through like DUI checkpoints and, that, you know, I wasn't drunk, but they would always just like let me go. Like, they wouldn't even check me. oh, Asian person. Yeah, just go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just go. Um, No way you're going to, you're inflicting any harm on anybody, you know? Yeah. You know what, it was kind of like, I was thinking about, you know, Tanya. You you ever have someone who, like, they get get mad at you even though you literally did nothing? Like, they they kind of, they created this whole world in their brains and they started connecting things. And then all of a sudden something that happened is your fault. And so right. you, I don't know if you've ever gotten like messages from people who like blamed you for something and you've never met this person. Totally. You've never met I'm them. Totally. You've never talked to them. I'm starting to get a little bit of that. And I'm like, I literally am just sitting here. And so I think it's yeah. like the, the, the extreme version of that when someone has created a world in their brain that is so detached from so reality. And, in, and then they're the victims so of everything that the world that they created. So yeah. they're the victims it's of so a crazy. made up world. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a kind of like it's a mental illness and it's a little bit of like maybe it's a um antisocial personality disorder, something like that. Yeah. Where it's really like you're at odds with the world and kind of make up your own point of view. Right. That right. Yeah. has nothing to do with reality. Yeah. But um this story was really interesting to me because it was like Oh, I, I just never thought of, like, Little Saigon as being a place where something like this would happen. There's something so right. peaceful and beautiful and yeah. delicious about going right. there. So you I never know. think of something like this.
2: And, you know, like, I remember, like, Little Saigon, like, one thing is my mom and I, sometimes we'd go to, like, Ban Migali and get some sandwiches. And people would just say hi to each other. Like, everyone, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Everyone kind of knew each other. And it's like, yeah, yeah it was a, this like sweet little community, it was a little, it was a little town.
1: Something very wholesome about it. Yeah. So, so, um, those are the fortune teller murders. Wow. Thank you so much for um joining me for this. Thank and, you so um, And where, me. where can people find your TikTok and oh. your Insta and what's that? What all that is?
2: I'm like I'm Robin Tran zero four on Twitter and Instagram, and my TikTok is Robin Tran comedian. I have like so many videos and memes i'm i create content like every day i'm just writing jokes all day and making videos and memes and uh, yeah it's a good follow so i recommend it
1: <laughs> i love it well i will going to i'm going to get on it now thank you so much robin Tran. thank, thank you so I'm, much i really i really enjoyed being with you and talking with you and i can't wait to see you do comedy again
2: yeah hopefully we get to work together again soon doing stand up together we
1: will we will soon i hope thank okay. you
2: thank you so much
1: this week, we are highlighting Kelly Kai Cab, formerly Cafe Madicab, which is a Bay Area service covering cab rides up to $40 for AAPI people who feel unsafe taking public transportation. Follow them on Instagram at Kelly Kai Cab. You can also donate via Zelle or Venmo, and we will link to their usernames in our show notes. If you want to support our show, subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, and spread the word. Reach out to me on Twitter with your thoughts, at Margaret Cho, or at Instagram, at Margaret underscore Cho. The Margaret Cho is produced by the Erios Network. Erios. Powered by ACAST.